0: It is hard to argue against the idea that the world is built upon connection. From the tiniest atoms to nature and even technology, everything in our world depends on its relationship to others. Studies into human relationships tell the incredible story of the power of connection. Positive, healthy human relationships are linked to better mental and physical health outcomes. In today's busy world, we are asked to connect to others on a regular basis. And yet, there is often little understanding of the vast impacts our interactions have. Welcome to Season 2 of NFCC's Guide Through the Seasons of Mental Wellness where we dive into some of the most common, as well as a few overlooked, relationships we experience in a lifetime. I am your host, Tracy Lehman, and I am honored to be a part of your day. Let's get into today's episode. As a licensed marriage and family therapist, one of my favorite populations to work with is families. In particular, I really enjoy working with families who have experienced a divorce and families who are blending or merging two households. Since the 1960s, the typical nuclear family structure, two-parent, legally married households with children, has evolved and is no longer the norm. More and more, we see single parents who have divorced or never married and blended families with a range of children's ages. So why do I love this population? Because a functioning co-parenting relationship and a healthy blended family system can be some of the most beautiful and fruitful situations for all involved. For those unfamiliar with this term, a blended family involves adding new members to an already formed family system, like step parents and step or half siblings. While there are many myths around the harm of divorce and step families disrupting a child's development, Research has actually sussed out that a system of effective communicative relationships can actually aid children in learning to navigate life in healthy ways. Across the board, communication and respect are key to this success. So how do we create these systems and ways of functioning? How do we manage existing hurts and fears? Here to discuss this and much more is one of NFCC's newest counselors, Donye Smith. Donye is a licensed professional counselor associate with a bachelor's degree in psychology from Baptist University and master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Lamar University. Donye has worked in residential, nonprofit, and private practice settings treating depression, anxiety, trauma, obsessive compulsive disorder, and parenting. She works with adolescents and adults using multiple modalities to develop an individualized approach for clients, and strives to provide a safe, non-judgmental environment to explore their concerns and help them lead meaningful lives. Welcome, Donye. I love this topic. I love co-parenting. I find when I first started, I had no idea I would love this. But, you know, I find so many people shy away from it, and I was working with kids a lot when I first started. And having both parents be on the same team and be in the same place is helpful, even more helpful if we can get the entire system involved. And so I think that's why I love this topic and working with this population so much. And I think every time we discuss these topics, the listeners always want to know what our connection is to the subject. So do you mind sharing your own story as it pertains to your work as a counselor? I
1: think that just experiencing most most of my experiences with Adolescence is obviously in, in those situations where there is co-parenting involved, because that's such a prevalent situation for a lot of families. And so seeing how that impacts them and trying to navigate that for, for what the kids is, is. The basis of my experience, I think, in addition, I have my life experience of my family being a blended family, coming from a blended family. Mm-hmm. So having that background as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about co parenting. I've seen so many non attached parents who can't speak to each other or even be in the same room. How can parents navigate through pain to find forgiveness and respect and learn to be a different kind of team?
1: Uh, I think, as with most things, communication is the issue, as well as kind of accepting where you are in the situation. I mean, there's obviously a lot, lots of emotions that happen between those two parents when a divorce happens. And sometimes we lose sight of the children in that, in that effort. So one, recognizing like as adults, we've got to take into consideration the kids and sometimes kind of set our emotions to side and deal with them separately, mm-hmm. not to not deal with them. Because I think that's the biggest part is that you do have to deal with your own emotions in the situation, the hurt, figure out how to forgive that other person, mm-hmm. or at least how you're going to navigate those emotions as it relates to your child in that situation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's already hard. Not everyone starts out with a two-parent household, so let's start there. Absolutely. But for those of us, for those that do, I think a lot of hurt and trauma happens before people separate and go to divorce. And so there's a lot of resentment that gets built up. I think one of the things I love doing couples therapy is working through that. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of bring that in when I work with parents together who are co-parenting And most of the time, it's really hard for them to talk to each other, to hear each other's point of view. Mm -hmm. They've got their armor on. Absolutely. And so I think what you're saying is, right, like you have to put things aside, but also that work. That work is so vital. You
1: definitely have to do that work and figure out Mm -hmm. how to deal with those and navigate those emotions. And how how am I going to separate that from the situation that I have to deal with with that other parent in another household with Mm -hmm. my child to go back and forth? Yeah. Um, you mentioned like sometimes there's not a two parent household, but even even in a single parent household, there's still another parent there, whether they're active or not active. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of feelings to, to navigate there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we talk about that, I think support systems are so important. So even if you have an absent parent, having somebody else involved, if you can to support you is really important too. And that is also a co-parenting relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I think that that becomes the the navigating thing, even with co-parents is like other people start being involved for one reason or, or the other, you know, in a divorce situation, there's, you still have that same dynamic of like, okay, now maybe the grandparents are more involved because they've got to help out this one parent on this side and vice versa, the other parent on that side. So they get kind of more involved as well or a friend or something like that. So navigating how, Navigating those terms of how much or how little that other person has say so in Mm -hmm. how the children are being parented becomes an issue as well.
0: Yeah. And I see people come in with that, too, with I'm raising my kids with the help of my parents and they do things that they did to me as a child that I don't like and I don't want to happen. And I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how to navigate this. And so that's a part of this, too. So all the people that engage, that's kind of what I think of when I think of blended family. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a legally blended family. It can right. just be who are the people helping to make this family function?
1: Right. And how do you navigate that? I think it kind of starts with a lot of boundaries. But again, just doing that emotional work to figure out where those boundaries are and, yeah. and and also being able to communicate that once you come across it, like you said, that grandparent that's kind of overstepping their bounds or something like that to be able to be like, okay, You know, this isn't working for me. How do I communicate that to the other person Mm -hmm. in a way that is not isolating that relationship?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I work with individuals on things like this, what I talk about, well, when I do couples too, I talk about this with pretty much everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone is self-awareness, right? Absolutely. I think we are in a go, go, go society and we lose sight of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely we just react Mm -hmm. there's hurts and something reminds us of a past hurt and we react to that. Yeah. And if we have that awareness, if we create that space, it gives us the ability to a decide how we need to communicate what's happening inside of us and b let go of the things we need to let go of, be able to see the bigger picture. I was talking to a client recently about explaining meditation because as far as meditation is concerned, I go from the acceptance and commitment therapy model. Are you familiar with that model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that observer platform, which is how I see meditation, it's giving yourself some space. Mm-hmm. And what, what I came up with yesterday that I really liked, I even told her, I was like, Oh, I really like that, which is funny, but that's <laughs> kind of how I am in session. But I said, it's like you're, you're building a map maker into your world. Like if you're walking through a landscape, you don't really have a sense of where you are. You just have what's around you immediately and you can only respond to what's around you immediately. But if you have a map, if you're looking at a map, you have lots of pieces. You can choose directions. You can understand the terrain. You can know what tools you need. And so that meditation practice, that self-awareness is building a map for yourself so you can decide how to navigate your world. And so I always think the first step in any relationship is that self-awareness that builds your own map so that you can navigate the world in the way that works best for you.
1: Yeah. And I think being honest in that, in that sense of making that map, like you're describing is, is what I think about kind of like a contract when they're separating and trying to decide how are we going to navigate this parenting relationship separate? And how's that going to look differently than it's looked before? How's it going to look similar? You know, I mean, we're still the same people, so we still might have the same parenting styles or models. And how mm-hmm. is that going to look living separately? Being able to kind of look back and see the whole picture. What questions are coming up when you're even thinking about this? Start maybe jotting those questions down. How, how is this person going to do this or that? How are we going to navigate school pickup and drop off and all of yeah. these different things? And if some emotions come up, noticing like, OK, what is that about? How how do I navigate that? Because that's going to probably be a sticking point at some point. How do I communicate that to the other person? What am I looking for as a solution to deal with that issue?
0: Yeah. And I think if you have that space, you can step back from those reactions and say something I do have co-parents do often is what are y'all shared values? Like as you're raising children in separate households, mm-hmm. what values do you want to be common across the whole thing? What do you really want? Who do you want your child to be? What do you want them to represent as far as values. And so when you have those reactions, I always am like, well, step back and say, is if I respond the way I feel like responding right now, is that in line with the values? What am I, am I working on? Cause that's how you create a team, right? Am I working towards this value goal? And so that's like, respect is a big one. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling like I want to attack you, but that wouldn't show respect. How do I respect you as the co-parent?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a big part. And like I said, when those emotions get revved Mm -hmm. up, you're not thinking about that, but being able to kind of take a deep breath and and step back and and make that decision of how am I responding? Is this the best example that I'm trying to set for my children? Is this going to enhance the relationship or damage the relationship? Absolutely. Asking yourself some questions before you respond to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So... When it comes to blended families, there's a lot to unpack. A lot of the research I read said things are the most difficult when a custodial parent enters into a new relationship. Why do you think that is? And how do we offset this?
1: Uh, I think it's more of what we've been talking about as far as the emotions. Once another person comes in, comes into play there's a lot of emotions that come up. Is that child going to like this new person more? Is that, is that person going to be a better parent than me? How much involvement is that, or control is this person going to have? Is this person going to be around long term? Is this just a person that's going to be fly by night? And is my co-parent making a positive decision and those types of things? Yeah. So all of these emotions get revved up. And again, you're then responding instead of reacting. So stopping and accepting like, okay, where's is, where is all this coming from? Is this my stuff? Is this his stuff? Where is this coming from? How does it impact my child? Yeah. And how do I navigate that? Mm-hmm. Are they transient? A lot of times it's like, okay, they're dating or... Sometimes it's even too, it's like, okay, well, are they, is that other parent going to be a better mm-hmm. partner for, the, for them than me? You know I mean? It's like all these different, mm-hmm. you know, swirl of emotions. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you do have to stop and like, okay, what, what's the point here? What, what do I want? And again, part of that, you know, almost contractual or making that map is like looking at, okay, I'll, I'm bringing up all of these concerns. But like I said earlier, it's like once those emotions come up, you have to stop and say, okay, what's the solution to this? Mm-hmm. What is the issue that I'm having? And mm-hmm. how do I set boundaries around that? So maybe asking the parent, okay, well, if you're just dating somebody, can, can you be dating them for six months or a year before they get to actually meet yeah. our, our child? Mm-hmm. Discipline-wise, can you not have them just, you know, whatever the, the issue is, that it's bringing up emotions for you. Try to address that because I think communication is one of those big pieces. And sometimes that's the hardest
0: mm-hmm. piece of
1: it with the emotions is is figuring out how to communicate.
0: Yeah, and I think... When you find another partner and I mean, we've all dated, we have, well, most of us have, I don't want to say we all have, that's mm-hmm. a pretty big assumption, but people come in and out of our lives. And so, and I think we can get really wrapped up in the desire to not be alone, the desire to have another person and just the romance, that honeymoon stage, mm-hmm. and it can make us go really fast paced. Absolutely. And so I think again, that awareness, but also if you have a good co-parenting relationship with somebody being able to slow down and navigate what are our rules, what are our boundaries Absolutely. and also having that conversation with that new partner, mm-hmm. right? I have a child. I have, this is how our system functions. I want to know where you stand, what your goals are mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: Right. And kind of figuring out, okay, I'd like to take it slow. Kind of weaving you into the process. I have another person, a co parent, to consider how they're going to feel about things. So we have to figure out where that boundary lies. How much or little influence is the other co parent going to have on the situation? And then as that person, recognizing when you're having those emotions about this new person coming in, figuring out how to, well, I guess, figuring out how flexible you can be in the situation and also navigating how much control you have over another situation, accepting that you can't have full control over that other situation. You can have some input, but you don't have control over that other situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if one person chose to leave the relationship, there can be also jealousy that arises and things like that, that we really do need to work through on our own Mm -hmm. and come to peace with. whatever That looks like for us. And then on the other side of things, I think recognizing parents put so much pressure on themselves and we get so stressed out about like who's being introduced into their lives and what influence they're going to have. But really, we're the models. And when people talk about having stability, it's about you having stability as the parent. Mm -hmm. People are going to come in and out of their lives for their whole life. And this is an opportunity to show them how to respond to that. So even if what I'm trying to say, I guess, is to any parent out there struggling with this, recognizing that. There's an opportunity to teach your child how to be functional, even if a person is transient in their life. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, that they experience that anyway with teachers and things like that. Mm-hmm. They get different teachers every and year friends. and things and, like that yeah. and friends come and go. So, yeah, it's really important. I think another thing that comes up is like a part of divorce is so much shame. Mm-hmm. And so trying to get everything else right because I didn't get the marriage right then brings up all these other standards that I have for myself and my parenting and all of these things, this, thing that, this lifestyle that I'm trying to present for my children and recognizing, again, that flexibility of knowing that part of life is being flexible. And even if things don't go exactly as you plan, that you can shift and, and make those adjustments to adapt and being okay with, like you said, the parents putting so much pressure. It's like, okay, I already got this wrong. Mm-hmm. I've got to get everything else right. And that's just not, not the case. You're not going to get it all right. Yeah. It, it's all just like with anything else in life. It's it's trial and error. We're working through it and figuring it out the best way we can and kind of cutting yourself a break in that sense. So
0: yeah. you're not
1: going to get everything exactly right, but there is always recourse. I mean, you can correct it. You can say, okay, well, we didn't quite get this right. How can we adjust? How can we shift?
0: Yeah. And having conversations with our kids about it when we don't mm-hmm. get it right. Absolutely. Know? I believe in transparency and I think hiding things Of course, kids don't get to know everything, Mm -hmm. but I think being like, I had a bad reaction. It's okay to say like, I was really upset. I felt really this feeling because your child will have that same feeling at some point and knowing that's a normal feeling will actually help them navigate it better.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I've
0: seen this mom or dad or grandma and grandpa or whoever it is in their life. Talk to me about this when it happened for them. I remember I have a little bit of wiggle room here to understand it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that making sure that, like you said, asking, talking to your children about it is, is a key thing. I think that obviously adult things need to be handled with the adult, but there needs to be some type of communication with the child about what's going on yeah. and being able to kind of ask questions about where they are, how they feel about things, even with the other, this new partner. Well, how are you feeling about mm-hmm. this? How do you feel about this idea about it? Because sometimes they're just like, oh, my gosh, I don't care as long as you guys are happy. And then sometimes they have some reservations. I'm yeah. not sure how this person's going to do this or that. And just being able to to let them ask the questions, being a sounding board for them, and helping them navigate that. You might not have all the answers, mm-hmm. but you can at least be there to listen to their questions. And sometimes it might be like, well, you know what? I don't know how that's going to look. You might need mm-hmm. to ask the other person, yeah. you know, and, and, and encourage that communication. Or that might be a question that I need to ask them, so I'll check in with them and get back with you.
0: Yeah. And just making it safe to have feelings, right? Feelings don't mean action or outcome. Feelings just exist in the moment Mm -hmm. to give us information of where we're at.
1: What do I do with this?
0: Yeah. And so making it safe for you to express emotions makes it safe for your kids and whoever else is involved to express emotions as well. Absolutely. So another issue that comes up around co-parenting is establishing co-parenting not only with the other initial parent, I use initial because not all are biological parents, some are adopted, Right. but also with the step-parent and across all involved parents as we've been talking about. So what goes wrong here and how can people work to create healthy communication and relationships across all fronts? And what have you seen that that goes right? And before you answer, I want to say... What comes to mind when, as I'm saying this question is there's this new movement on, gosh, I guess it's on all the forums like TikTok and Reels where, where people talk about having good relationships with their ex's new significant other, with the step parent. Mm -hmm. They can all come together. And I think it's a really beautiful thing. And so I just want to start with, there are people doing this. There, it is possible, right? It it is
1: possible and it can be done and it, it it takes. Time, communication, and I think acceptance. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to do the work to, to navigate all the emotions and things like that and be able to, to be kind. And like you said earlier, sitting in your values, what, what are my values here in the situation and what do I want to present? Because that's a, a big piece of it. Communicating with the co-parent and then also giving the other parents, whatever they may be, step parents or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, giving them the opportunity to actually get to know them. I think a lot of times what happens is they already have all these preconceived emotions and and notions about the other person Mm -hmm. before they actually get to know the person as an individual. And also accepting like, is this person treating my child well? Like taking those things into consideration Mm -hmm. can help enhance that relationship and accept that other person as a part of a team. And parenting is hard. So having more per- people for the team, if you can get a cooperative person, can't hurt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said there because that's exactly what I think. Accepting the new person as an individual. Individuals come into your kid's life all the time. And I think what happens here is there's so many feelings, rightfully so. I don't mm-hmm. want anyone to feel judged.
1: Absolutely. This is a
0: really hard, painful thing to navigate a lot of the time. Right. When I think that new individual gets lumped in with all those bad feelings mm-hmm that the ex-partner created or, or was part of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important awareness piece too, separating them, getting to know who they are as a person. Most of the times they're not terrible people, but if we walk into it with, I don't like this, I don't want this anxiety, and we haven't done the work, our kids right. senses it. I can't tell you how many kids and how many therapists who work with parental alienation, where it starts from, you start talking badly about this new partner, you talk badly about the other parent, and it creates where that child doesn't want to be around them. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that that's a huge thing is is making sure that, again, you've done the work and you have those boundaries and putting your children's feelings in into consideration in the sense that, talking badly about the other partner or talking badly about their new partners, those types of things create a lot of confusion for children. And then they don't know where to stay. And this person could have been very nice to them. And so it's like, okay, well, I don't know whether to, like i thought you could trust nice people and this is what you've taught me like if people treat you with respecting kindness you can trust them in these types of things and then you're saying no that's not true mm-hmm. so depending on the age of the child it can be very confusing for them to be getting those mixed messages mm-hmm. and also the more that you know sometimes it backfires on you you're talking poorly about the other person and they like that person. So then they're liking that person more than they're, it's like, it, there's just a lot of um, mixed feelings that come up with that. So being careful about how you communicate with that. And again, trying to create solutions to the situation and not barriers for you or your children.
0: Yeah. And another thing I see a lot is, you know, when we've created this disdain for this new person, especially if they're going to stick around and your child goes over and it's just rude to them. And of course they should be doing their own work too and recognize it's a child, but it's hard. That is hard. Right? It's already uncomfortable. You're trying to step into this new role in this new system. You're not trying to take anyone's role, right. hopefully. I don't know everyone's intentions, but hopefully you're just stepping into a new role and trying to navigate it because you found somebody that you really care about and you, you know, and I feel like they go in really caring mm-hmm. about having a relationship with this child and when these Absolutely. children turn on them, it's really hard to get that back.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so it almost creates an unhealthy and toxic relationship that didn't have to be.
1: Right. Right. Because now the child is behaving a certain way and I can't trust them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to respond or I want to pull away. So then that just is creating more of a barrier. Or now this parent is like, okay, well, you don't care about my child. And it's like, you know, just creating additional confusion that, like you said, didn't didn't have to be there. Yeah. If we could just be open and communicate and deal with our stuff, too.
0: Yeah. Cause I don't think anyone out there wants to be the evil stepmother or evil stepfather. I don't think people walk into it or evil step siblings. I don't think we walk into these situations like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that most people have good intentions. It's just that depending on whatever the situation is. And I mean, obviously we all come, come with our own emotional situations. Mm -hmm. So who knows what that might be triggering for that other person once you set that off.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's about letting go grieving that self-awareness, coming to terms with what you need to come to terms with, and really separating that new person in your child's life and that new relationship from the other feelings you might have about the partner.
1: I think that grieving, that, that word stuck out to me when you said that because that's a big part of it that people don't, people mm-hmm. always see like grieving as a loss of a person or a pet or something like that. And they can wrap their minds around that. But sometimes relationships, people don't recognize that you are grieving. The relationship mm-hmm. and that process has to happen for you to be able to move on. Mm-hmm. And so accepting that sometimes some of those emotions are that you haven't finished grieving that relationship, whether you wanted. It might be the best thing for you, both of you that you got a divorce, mm-hmm. it, but it's still the loss of a relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: matter whether you've agreed upon it, whether it was amicable, whatever the situation is, it's still a loss.
0: Yeah. And, and I think grief, grief is anything that you have to accept that's new that you weren't accepting any mm-hmm. change. Or that you weren't ready for it change, yeah. right? And our kids are grieving too. They, it's, and grieving isn't bad. It doesn't mean this is all terrible. It just right. means they're adjusting it's a big and they're learning change. to let go. Yeah, they're learning to let go of what was and find a way to open up to what's new. Yeah. Okay. So expectations. Let's talk about expectations for a little bit. Expectations are often a barrier in situations. No matter who we work with, unmet expectations can almost always be identified as a potential issue. What role do you think this plays in blended families and how can we learn to develop a more flexible mindset?
1: I think it plays a huge role because probably the divorce was related to unmet expectations right. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you're, you're walking away with, now I have, I mean, I, I'm still stuck with these unmet expectations. That's why we got the divorce. Yeah. And now I have to figure out how to navigate that with this person that didn't meet my expectations. Mm-hmm. So figuring out how, again, dealing with your your emotions, what are those expectations? What are those emotions that you're dealing with? And how do I communicate that to the other person? Again, my grief comes to mind in that situation too, because you've got to grieve the fact that that's not going to resolve. That didn't get resolved in the way that you would have liked it. To mm-hmm. And hoped it to, but how do I now accept this new situation mm-hmm. and figure out how to navigate this new situation?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so much of the relationship stuff is self work. Expectations, gosh, we walk into relationships with expectations. Absolutely. And we can get really stuck on them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the question says flexible, and flexibility is so important, I think, when it comes to expectations because. If your expectation isn't getting met, it might not be a reasonable expectation. Right. You may not have had a
1: realistic expectation. That expectation might be connected to some childhood something or another. Right. Those
0: fairy tales. Right. Some
1: some previous experience you Mm -hmm. saw in a movie. Like who knows what the expectation is connected to. But being able to say, yes, I have an expectation, but what's the real situation that I'm in and how can I navigate that And, and adjust because the expectation initially probably had nothing to do with the other person Mm -hmm. and so now you've got to take these other people into consideration the child the co-parent the step-parent the you know whatever the situation is so now you've got to be able to adjust to now negotiate Mm -hmm. those expectations
0: yeah it's so funny when you were talking about that in our past expectations what came up to me was my husband so i am like a hopeless romantic always have been (laughs) Uh, watch all the rom-coms. All, I love them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can't get enough of them. <laughs> and, but I used to say to him all the time, you know, when it came to planning dates and things, if, if a date didn't meet my expectations. So this is me being vulnerable. I've had to grow. I was like, I don't understand why you can't make it more romantic. I, there's like a million playbooks out there called rom-coms that you could watch and get an idea from. <laughs> and what I've missed in that and how I had to be flexible was a, If we're going to plan something, it should be between both of us. And we have to learn to coordinate and communicate, right? Uh I have to ask for a date sometimes if it's been a while, because the thing that happens in movies that that doesn't happen in movies that happens in real life is we aren't just focused on this one relationship. We have multiple relationships, multiple roles, multiple stressors all playing a role and it is really hard to juggle. And so sometimes we're going to lose sight of things. And also, most of the things in those romantic movies are pretty dramatic and exceptional <laughs> situations i was going
1: to say you you get to be the director the producer the all of that and and there's not somebody else trying
0: to coordinate that right. for you yeah and so you know that's kind of that adjusting expectations recognizing that it's not somebody reading my mind and knowing you know, showing up at a fountain with flowers and music and whatever yeah. right, happens in those things. By the waterfall. And right. Like, like these, cr- where they show up after a big fight and like make mass amends and recognize how wonderful you are. I mean, I'm sure that happens, but that's not, that doesn't need to be the goal. That doesn't need to be the expectation, right? The expectation is how do I feel good in this relationship?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do, how do I get my needs met? What are my needs and yeah. how do I get them met? And sometimes I think that we feel like we have a need that needs to be met or an expectation. And it's that other person's responsibility to get it done. And sometimes it's our responsibility to get yeah. it done.
0: Yeah. And adjust it as needed. What right. about that expectation? What need is being met with that expectation, as you were saying? And do I need this whole thing met? Where's the wiggle room here?
1: Absolutely. Right. Is it even realistic for me to ask somebody else to do yeah. that? Like you were saying with the with the movies, like he doesn't have an executive producer and, and yeah. all of this and, you know, the filming yeah. and
0: get- somebody do your hair, somebody do your makeup. Right. Wonderful. <laughs> I wardrobe, you know, <laughs> all of that. Play out this relationship, but there's a lot more to life than that. There's a lot more going on. And I think that is, that gets missed. That gets lost when we put these, really large expectations uncommunicated on others.
1: Right. And I think that's the big thing is, is that uncommunicated too. Is it, Yes, being flexible, but also communicate like so that that person can say, oh, OK, well, yeah, I can do this, yeah. but maybe not this. And you and you may say, oh, well, that's perfect. That's that's, you know, that meets my needs, even though it's not exactly the picture that I had in my mind, mm-hmm. but being able to communicate that.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that is flexible expectations. And, you know, this isn't just within that you know, romantic relationship or co-parenting relationship. But when new people come into the, to our lives or how we expect, even the expectation of what our child's life is going to look like, mm-hmm. right? We have Absolutely. to make adjustments. We have to recognize that there's pain there and there's grief there too. There's grief and loss of not meeting an expectation, right? Right. And um, we all want these perfect worlds for our kids and our families and that photo that you see in the store in the frame of this perfect family on the beach and that just, that can be the case sometimes, but that's not really ever giving you the full picture.
1: Absolutely. You get that snapshot into somebody's life when you see that picture and you you don't know how much effort it took to get the picture Mm -hmm. just right and how many shots that that takes. And that's, that's life. That's Mm -hmm. the life is that things take several tries to get something right. And that's okay.
0: Yeah. And that it doesn't have to be this nuclear family system that we can make big, beautiful families of lots of people with lots of different strengths and growth areas to bring to the family. And that's all just as beautiful.
1: Yeah. And with the right support, if the goal is to have healthy, happy children, that can still happen. Maybe even giving them some more expectations about life and changes Mm -hmm. and, and tribulations that you experience in life and how to shift and adapt.
0: Yeah. And recognizing your expectations aren't somebody else's. So if you do have the expectation, that you're going to be best friends with the step parent or whatever that that step parent also gets to choose and has expectations of what things look like and fears, and so that also requires a lot of communication and a lot of patience.
1: And patience, I think, is the key. Because I was going to say, sometimes that relationship does develop, but maybe not as quickly as you would like, mm-hmm. maybe not the, exactly the way that you would like. Maybe there are some bumps in the road mm-hmm. and those types of things, and recognizing that those experiences don't mean it's not going to happen but giving the space to to let it develop as it, however it developed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so another thing that comes into play with blended families is step-siblings. And that can be really hard too. Now we've got lots of kids with lots of feelings and lots of expectations coming in and trying to figure out what that looks like. You know, kids can feel displaced. They can feel in competition. They can act out their hurts over their losses on the new parent, on the new siblings. Lots of projection can happen. So how can we prepare them for that? And how can we help them establish healthy communication and relationship skills and support them in the family system? Uh,
1: I think to start, whatever the example is that we're setting is is going to set the foundation and the stage for that. Mm -hmm. But I think initially being able to communicate with them, let them be a part of, I mean, a lot of times I think that we think children just kind of come along with the package, whatever I'm experiencing, they just come along and they'll adjust. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't have a choice if nobody's stopping to say, how do you feel about this? What's going on? This is what's happening. So they do figure out how to adjust one way or the other, whether that be positive or or not so positive sometimes sometimes. Hence the acting out or something. But I think that taking them into consideration, keeping communication open with them, spending time with them. Maybe if there's lots of children involved, you might have to see which ones get along the best and have outings with those children so that they get some time. Spend one-on-one time with them. Find things that, that that individual child likes to do so that they still feel special and then help them navigate the relationships if they get complicated between siblings and things like that, step-siblings, helping them navigate that, Having and and by helping navigate that, I mean maybe sitting them down together and helping them have that conversation, the same as what are the expectations? What are you trying to communicate to this other person? Those same things that we're talking about with your co-parents and all of that stuff, helping them navigate that, helping them see how that that works, and that might be kind of, orchestrating like having the conversation well you mentioned to me that you feel like this well I wonder what they're thinking or what they're feeling and having some asking some questions about what the other person is feeling and thinking and how to communicate that with each other
0: yeah yeah you said choice and that really rang a bell for me because really when it comes to family There are very few places that we have choices about who gets to be it, right? Absolutely. It's so funny to me when, you know, somebody gets a step sibling and they're like, well, I didn't choose them. And I'm like, well, if your mom had had a baby with your dad and they were still together or however that at work, you wouldn't have chosen them either. They would just be. Right. Right. And I think across the board, we have to recognize that we don't get to choose all of this. Mm -hmm. Something that kids, I think, have a really hard time with, and I think adults too, is feelings don't mean action feelings like if I'm hurting something's hurting me it doesn't mean that the solution is going to be that thing is going to be changed but it does mean that somebody's willing to hear that it's hurting me and understand it and I think kids that's a really important thing to teach our children because they the answer is not gonna be I'm gonna divorce your step-parent because you because you had a bad day or you didn't right or you like don't like the step sibling yeah but the answer might be like I get what that's like to feel that way you know. Right.
1: And sometimes that's really important for us and for those children yes. to know that they're heard. And that's, you know, what I was saying. Sometimes they just kind of get picked up and drug along and that you have to adjust. And, and just the simple act of them being hurt sometimes is helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For all of us. That's, again, that transparency, like not telling them everything, but making it safe for you to have your feelings and them to have theirs. And they don't discount each other. You know, it's not like you hurt me, well, you hurt me first kind of thing. It's, right. Oh. Let me learn about that hurt and then maybe there'll be room for you to hear about my hurt and we can both feel heard and understood a little better.
1: Absolutely. I think the important part of that too, uh, an important piece of that is, you know, sometimes this is kind of where things get a little complicated because the one child might go to the other household and be like, well, this person did this over there at the other household and figuring out between the parents how we're going to navigate that because sometimes it's like, "Mm, I bet you that's really tough and that seems really difficult. Maybe you need to talk to them about that, as opposed to getting in the middle of it and making it more messy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think another thing we do is we like to do instead of. I mean, that saying is so old and cliche, but I feel like we have a really hard time with it as parents. It's the give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day; teach a man to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. That's relationships, right? Teach our kids and teach ourselves how to navigate relationships. No one's going to rescue you from relationships. Right. Right. And so maybe it's, they were really mad because their new three-year-old step sibling broke their favorite toy. And we say, gosh, that sucks. I know that's a really hard thing on getting the information and, and maybe even having the kid maybe come to the conclusion that was an accident. And also, what solutions do you, does your kid have for Absolutely. Navigating it? You know, what do you want to do about this?
1: Right. I think that's a big piece, too, is not answering the question for them or not jumping in there to say, OK, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to buy you a new toy or I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. But but listen, what do you want to happen? What would you like to see happen? How can we fix this? Or, you know, what do, what do I need to do to make you feel a little better about this? Or what can you do?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find when we coach our kids through things, it helps us through things too, right? It's all learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to end on a a positive note. So can we spend some time talking about positive outcomes in blended families and how all parties involved can put forth effort to make things work? What are the tools? What kind of work is needed here?
1: Uh, It's definitely possible. It, It does happen. I think that keys are listening skills, use our psychology term of active listening being able to reflect back, listen to the person to understand and not to react and trying to navigate that to do your own work and set boundaries try to enter into the situation with empathy and kindness and trying to be the best parent that you can for your children and to understand that that other person is probably trying to be the best parent for your child as well and giving them some grace in that situation. Yeah um, focus on solutions, setting boundaries, and communicating, communicating what those expectations are and how you can navigate them. If you can communicate them, like I said, the other person might have a solution that you haven't thought of, and that might work just as well as the one that you've thought of, but might work better to get, your, get the ultimate goals accomplished.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very well said. The only things I would add are um, remembering respect and remembering compromise. Sometimes we get so rigid. That's why that flexibility question is so important to me that it was included in this because we have to be flexible. There are lots of people who all want it their way involved as we blend a family. And it's not going to all be one person's way. So we have to learn to compromise. We have to walk into something knowing what our boundaries are and what we're willing to give and what feelings are driving us. Because sometimes the feeling locks us down. And if we can make peace with the feeling, we actually open ourselves up to make some real good progress.
1: Absolutely, I think that a lot of times we go into things wanting control, and if we can figure out that control is not gonna give you the ultimate goal, but negotiating and compromising and being flexible is, then that becomes
0: a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's families out there that do this really well. There's families that have great times together. I know families that go on vacation with like the entire, the extension, the step family, the the former, you know, everyone goes together and has a great time. And I'm not saying everyone has to look like that. But I just think that's such a beautiful picture of acceptance and moving forward to keep in mind when you're dealing in these situations.
1: Absolutely. And also that that obviously isn't everybody's experience. That doesn't mean you're less successful because you all aren't going on vacation or having, you know, big family birthdays or Christmases with everybody involved, that it's still successful if the child is happy and healthy and everybody's getting what they need out of the situation.
0: Absolutely. If you feel like it's going well, if you feel stability, if you feel like your kid is safe and you are safe and situation safe. And and I do want to add in there, my little disclaimer, like this does not apply to abusive situations. Abusive situations are very different. So that would be a completely separate conversation for us to have, right? We don't have Absolutely. to be flexible with somebody being toxic or abusive or harmful. But outside of that, I think if you feel good about how it's going and you see the progress and you see the benefits, then that is all you need.
1: Absolutely that's that's what you want a happy happy healthy happy family and healthy happy children and that might look different for everybody but that doesn't mean that you're less successful
0: yes absolutely well wow, this was great thank you so much for being here donia no i really appreciate thank the time you. thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us reach more listeners please share it with someone you know post about it on social media and leave a rating or review. To see what's coming next, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Nick Finn Council or visit our website at finnegancounseling.org. Before I go, I'd also like to thank the people who made this project possible. Our wonderful experts who joined me for each episode, our production team at 3 Wire Creative. Our editor and production assistant, Giselle Dixon, and the amazing leadership team and supporters at Nick Finnegan Counseling Center in Houston, Texas. Until next time.